0: Today, our talk is about a battle whose date is probably used in more English padlock codes than any other four-digit number, 1066, the Battle of Hastings. On the 14th of October, northwest of the town of Hastings, the Anglo-Saxon army of the English King Harold met and fought the invading Norman army of the Duke of Normandy, later to be known as William the Conqueror. This was the moment, the turning point in English history, still considered today as the last successful invasion of the British Isles by a foreign army. The battle roiled from dawn till dusk, a long and bloody and exhausting encounter. At the end, William was victorious and Harold was dead. Welcome to Bloody Violent History, and this our section on some of the most important battles in history. The Prussian military theorist Karl von Clausewitz said that war is politics by other means, and in war battles are fought, on land, on sea, and in the air. Many are inconclusive, some are steps towards eventual victory, and of course the winner of the last battle is generally the victor. In this series, we examine some iconic battles which have either brought a war to a close or have had such an important effect on the war that they have decisively changed its direction and outcome. A few of these end up defining a conflict or even a nation. I'm fortunate to have with me today an historian and novelist who has written extensively on military matters. His latest book, The Shape of Battle, Was published in 2021 and is a study of why battles are fought and to do this he examines six military encounters all of which took place in the preceding 1000 years. The first of these is the Battle of Hastings. Alan Mallinson, welcome to Bloody Violent History. Thank you very much. So if we could start with the lead-up to the battle, that always helps us sort of how it took place, why it took place. Before 1066, before Harold was the king, we had Edward the Confessor. And it seems to me that there's something about his decision-making and his political maneuvering that caused a lot of trouble for Harold down the line. Can you describe a little bit about what he did and why he did it in terms of his promises to Harold and William.
1: If only we could go back and say to Edward, what on earth did you think you were playing at? Um, A pious man, a a fine man, um, regarded highly by everyone. And yet the, the critical decision who is going to succeed him, he was childless himself. He either ducked um, or made it willfully obscure or who knows. But uh, when he died on the 5th of January 1066, it was not clear who exactly was to take over from him. The defining, criteria really was who the Witan, the the great council of, of state, consisting of, of, of the great um, civil and ecclesiastical leaders, who they thought uh, would best be the safeguard uh, of the nation. Uh, and Harold was in a strong position to claim the Witan's support because he had, been effectively acting as um, uh, pro-king during the preceding uh, five years or so, sub as, uh, as it was called. He was his right-hand man. Um, and uh, to cut a long story short, um, Harold either believed or persuaded himself or persuaded others that Edward on his deathbed had said, Harold, it is to be you who is to succeed, and persuaded the Witten that it was so. Um, And uh, the Witten gave consent so quickly that in fact uh, Edward was buried the following day on the 6th of January, uh, and on the same day um, Harold was crowned King of England in Westminster Abbey. The problem was, of course, that Duke William of Normandy thought also that he had a claim uh, by a prior pledge um, of of Edward um, and also believed that um, Harold had assented to that claim when Harold had spent a little time in, uh, well, William's custody, was it, or at William's pleasure in in Normandy um, a few years earlier. Well, he, he fought alongside... William,
0: supposedly.
1: He did. It was most odd. He managed to um, land on um, the shore of what is now uh, France and was taken to, to Normandy. Did he go there purposefully or was it by accident that he was blown there? Again, um, we don't know. But um, he, he clearly wasn't free to leave for a while. And, and he did end up fighting on, on William's side in, in William's actually continual wars with his neighbors the Bretons and the um, uh, uh, and the Franks uh, and actually ex- excelled himself at, w- at one stage arguably by by saving uh, Williams life uh, ironically he was he was a he was a brave and resourceful um, man so you have this situation in in January 1066 that um, yes it... It seems that England wants Harold as king, uh, but William is uh, convinced that he has a, a, a right, and a holy right, having arguably tricked um, Harold in assenting to it by getting him to swear his allegiance over um, uh, a reliquary. Um, a, w- a covered one, was a it? A covered yes. reliquary, um, and the saying, the story goes that having got him to swear over this I don't know what he told him the tablecloth suddenly <laughs> whipped the cloth off and there were these holy bones of, of some long dead saint but um, there was um, there was there was a question um, that's before the complication of the um, the the spurious claim of um, Harold hardrada of Norway who who also thought because of the complicated um, Alternating succession of the kings of England, from Anglo-Saxons to um, to Danes in the early um, 11th century, that, that that he too had had a good claim, and of course Hardrada, being the man he was, felt that um, uh, the, the way to settle this was um, was simply by uh, by conquest too. So um, um, he he turned up on the um, the scene um, before William.
0: Uh, William and Harold are the two main contenders and Hardrada is, is looking perhaps to slip in and uh, steal a march on both of them In your book, uh, The Shape of Battle you quote early on the following By rights, a seasoned campaigner like Harold Godwinson shouldn't have lost the Battle of Hastings Now I'd like really just to talk a little bit about them as commanders, as much we know, and the kind of armies that they have. So if we could start with Harold, an Anglo-Saxon, and I mean with Danish blood, with Viking blood, Mm. and they're all mixed in a bit. He has brothers both on his side and also he has a troublesome brother
1: um, they were quite a family, the Godwinsons.
0: They were, and also at this stage, England wasn't England as one whole unit, it was sort of earldoms, it sort of split up a bit.
1: Well, it was, it was unified, Athelstan had, um, had, had unified um, the kingdom, but it, but it was, um, uh, uh, the, the administration of, uh, of the kingdom was through the, the earldoms, and these were massive, Wessex, which was Harold's own earldom, um, Kent and the home counties, um, East Anglia, Mercia and Northumbria. Um, and of course, um, some of these counties were, were the Earls were um, Godwinsons anyway, or had um, owed something to the Godwinsons. So it, it was complicated. I describe it as, as, as England as still a, a work in progress, but nevertheless, it, it was a unity. Um Harold was crown king of of England. Um, but the point about a seasoned campaigner such as Harold not losing is for me, the really uh, the really intriguing part of the of the whole story. and it's one of the reasons that I've, you know, long been drawn to to looking at the campaign as a whole, not just the Battle of Hastings, about which very little. Frankly, is known for certain. Not even the exact place it took place. Although, you know, Battle Abbey is supposed to be built on on the very spot that Harold fell. Um, so there is this question of uh, why on earth did he lose when the odds were I- I- in his favour? And you can only get to that, I think, by by looking at the whole year, the whole um, the whole campaign of the the contested succession of, uh, of 1066. It, it's, it's a fantastic um, puzzle, and of course, because there aren't the, the, there aren't the, the reliable um, primary sources that you would get for most later battles, you're into the realms of speculation and thought and, and, and analysis. There's such a, a wide um, canvas on, on, on which to, uh, yes, on, on which to, to daub.
0: So that's Harold, um, and he has he's an Anglo-Saxon, just a little bit about the way they fought.:
1: Yes. Uh, the two countries, um, if you can call Normandy a country, which um, you know, it, was a, it, was a, it was a dukedom, it, but effectively a country um, the two were really very different. Um, in terms of population for start, England was estimates of about three million, uh, Normandy. About seven hundred thousand, so again you you know you look at you look at that and think, well how on earth um, could the Normans have won with population differentials such as that um, England was a actually a fairly peaceable place the the Danish raids had more or less been um, suppressed um, and it was a was it because they'd almost they'd settled in a way? In- the, Dan- the Danes themselves had had yes, they had settled, but the old Dane law, the, the the separately administered Danish part of what became England, had had been absorbed by Athelstan into England. So you you did have a lot of settled Danes, particularly in East Anglia um, and around York, um, and and they were. They were contributors. They were. They were. They were remarkably fine um, artisans. But the com- but the country was agricultural, uh, and and there's no better example of that than, than of course the um, Doomsday Book, which which gives a, a wonderful picture of England, um, thirty years after. Yes, down uh, to every sheep, every pig. Yeah, um, there were. Uh, Alfred had um, had. Had instituted a system of um, fortified um, boroughs, burgs, um, which were, which were really no more than um, uh, protected earthworks in, in which could form the basis of um, uh, of defensive positions linked up, um, but around which settlements had grown after the the. The Viking threat had had passed after Alfred's rule, um, which was what seventy-five years before. Yes, yeah, yeah. but um, they'd not grown into towns of the of the sort of magnitude that um, we'd understand today. So it was a, it was a very uh, it was a very rural country. Uh, it had a militia. It did not have a standing army. Yes, there were the so-called housecarls, who were the household troops of of the king. Estimate about, probably about two thousand, um, practiced uh, men at arms.
0: Would that include housecarls for earls as well? Or? And
1: and each of the, um, the the five major earls had their own housecarls, but but uh, but clearly not as many. And the housecarls, although they were they were practiced fighting men. Um, didn't practice all the time. They had their own farms. They had their own um, activities, uh, and, and some of them, of course, were were straightforward administrators as well. They 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 were tax collectors. They were uh, enforcers. They were. They
0: were sort of gentry of
1: the time. They, they were well uh, a, being a, a, a sub a sub gentry, but yeah. they were certainly um, they 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 were certainly formidable fighters. There's um, there's no doubt about. It that, and they, they, they were practiced. Um, but the defense of England against whatever threat would materialize was vested in uh, the militia, the feared, F-Y-R-D. Now, the feared is... Um, Sounds it, a very Norse yes, word. Yes, uh, absolutely. Um, it, is, it is essentially a muster of... Um, every able-bodied man in the country, when necessary. But uh, it was subdivided, and and modern historians um, describe um, the two parts of it as being the great feared, which is everybody, um, and the so-called select feared, which is those people who can um, be called out um, at, at short notice. Uh, and and be effective because they'd had a little bit of training. They they were properly equipped and whatever. They had a weapon and. A... They had a weapon. They had a helmet. Uh, they they had a shield. Um, some of them would have had um, a, a bit of um, you know mail, chain mail. It um, was it was a, a hodgepodge. But but by and large, select feared. Um, was based on the so-called five-hide principle. A hide, h-i-d-e, in, in the modern script, um, was a was a variable um, unit of, of land. But the defining principle of a hide is that it should be it was enough land to support a family unit. Got it. So for every five hides, um, there was to be one select fyrdsmen um, who could be called out um, at. At very short notice, and would be expected to um, uh, to take his place alongside the um, uh, alongside the housecarls, ra- rather like modern reservists. So, but so, this, so but this man
0: um, would be expected not to go to bat- not to go abroad and fight. He would be expected to defend his his own country or even his own area. That would be
1: his role. It, it that that was that was the idea because um, there was no thought of going abroad because you know you know England carried out no English kings carried out no expeditionary uh, warfare it was a you know it was the island um, fortress uh, that they, they were there to to, to react to um, large- scale raids um, and and um, I think that these the select herdsmen were, over the years, um, probably really quite practised because they would, they would be, they would be routinely called out for uh, um, work on uh, bridge repair, uh, road repair, working on the fortresses. So the, the, they were men who were used to being um, called out and doing work under. Under supervision for, for for military purposes, but they weren't a they weren't a standing force. You know, they had their own land to go back to, uh, and there was a statutory limitation, supposedly of of some two months, that they could be called out for feared service, um, and that was one of the the factors in the um, in, in the way the uh, the campaign went in in ten sixty six. So so you have England this this. On the whole, peaceable place with with a large militia base that could be um, called on progressively to deal with um, a threat, uh, with a with a solid core uh, of, of strong, capable housecarls, the kings that could be in turn um, reinforced by housecarls from from the from the various earls. And
0: essentially, what we're talking about here is men with weapons and shields, infantry.
1: Oh, yes. That's it. That's oh, yes. pretty much the whole thing, uh, uh, isn't no, that, that, it's, a, it's a very good point, Tom. These, these, and these men fought on foot. Um, if they had horses, um, it was to get them from A to B, you know, typical mounted infantry, uh, and to carry their kit. Um, there, there's, there's almost no um, record uh, of them trying to fight mounted. There might have been the odd occasion when pursuing an errant Welshman, they decided to um, stay on horseback and try and run him down. But um, uh, but, but no, they, 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 they fought on foot, shoulder to shoulder. Um, and, and indeed, if they were to fight defensively, the whole idea was the shield wall where they would lock shields and stand solidly and take what was, you know, come on, enemy, uh, let them, come, yeah, come in. Break we'll, themselves um, on that. Break, you, you know, you face our battle axes, which mm. were um, uh, fearsome, fearsome things. Um, no archers to speak of, which is, um, uh, which, which is interesting. So uh, what you had in, in England was um, a very large infantry force. Contrast this with, with Normandy, which... Um, was a so-called proto-chivalric state described as a sort of, you know, chivalry without the honorable bits that, that, that came later. These seemed to, um, seem to be young men who had nothing better to do uh, than, than practice at war, mounted. A lot of it would appear to be because, you know, what does the son of a of a, of a noble in uh, in Normandy do? He can either go into the church, or he can, um, you know, tra- train for war, because Normandy was not a settled state. It had troublesome neighbors, Brittany, um, the, 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 the Franks. It was an expanding state. It was, well, it was in a permanent state of war, a bit like Prussia in the, uh, it, in the 18th century, Um, and so you got a a body of men um, in Normandy who um, were, were, they were energetic young men who had been trained to fight from horseback, either with swords or Illustrations of them carrying lances, but actually they used them more as javelins to uh, throwing. So they were trained for offensive action. They were indeed the um, uh, the shock troops, and um, they seem to have done quite well uh, in battles against the Bretons and uh, and the Franks. Although they would occasionally get themselves into trouble by being impetuous um, or. Or running into ambushes in close country, and indeed, it was during one of these skirmishes when Harold was um, in Normandy as um, Duke William's guest, in inverted commas, that um, Harold um, saved saved the duke's bacon. So, um, a, a, a very different sort of um, a very different sort of army.
0: So they, they had, as we, the the um, Harold had infantrymen. Uh, William had cavalrymen, infantrymen, and he had archers he had and, and he had them as a he could
1: combine them as a unit yes or, and the archers, I believe, were the critical um, the really critical factor at at, um, at hastings more so than more so than the cavalry um The the estimates is that he managed to produce about 800 archers um, at at Hastings. These these would have been um, Normans from his own dukedom, but but also Breton mercenaries whom um, um, he was quick to engage when he promised them the riches of England, and and, um, uh, Franco-Flemish mercenaries uh, as well. Probably only a third of um, of his army um, at Hastings were, were actually true Normans um, he probably had though about three thousand mounted knights knights in inverted commerce men men who were capable of um, uh, 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 fighting on um, on horseback so so he
0: had I, I mean this sounds like the you know the the uh, English were on their lovely island, enjoying their wonderful life and prepared to defend it, but they weren't really going beyond that. Whereas the Normans were thinking, you know, about their future, and they were quite technological. They, were, they had, you know, theories on building castles and and
1: yes. and all of that, um, uh, 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 which of course um, William introduced into into England um, uh, after the conquest. Um, the 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 castles built by individual noblemen in in Normandy became uh, power centers um, in, in, in their own right, and, and William so thought, often a problem, yes, isn't it? Uh, and, and that becomes a problem in England in the in the fourteenth century yeah. when you get this so called bastard feudalism. Uh, and, and William clearly had a, uh, you know, he he would have had a William would have had a a, a continuing problem of um, how he, how he kept these noblemen. Um, in check because you know you, you you build a castle and um, uh, that that in that in itself is a threat to to, to, to royal authority. So um, he was always going to have to be offering them more, you know, extension of the borders of Normandy, um, or in the case um, in the case of the death of Edward, um, England itself, a very rich country at that time.
0: So, so the English, happy to have their drinks and sing their songs. The Normans, it was about conquest, riches, and probably led on with a bit of religious sanction.
1: Yes, now this is a, a tricky area, the, re, the religious um, authority. Um, it would appear that William had managed to persuade the Pope that he had a right to um, the throne of England. Um, the, the the Pope, it would appear, gave him authority to, as it were, test that right. Um, and gave him a papal banner, uh, almost as a sort of um, uh, as a as a chit. <laughs> To to, to go and g- go <laughs> and see what, um, what 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 you can do, but but what the pope did not do was to excommunicate Harold, which apparently William had asked him to do, uh, which I think is significant. Um,
0: he was we, playing we, a balanced. Game.
1: Well, yes, we don't want to go down the rabbit hole about the papal succession, but it was complicated because the pope Pope Alexander had been. He was the first Pope to be elected by um, a conclave of cardinals rather than the Holy Roman Emperor. So there were all sorts yeah. of, um, yeah. of <laughs> there were all sorts of um, uh, well problems potentially in, in in that area. but 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 William nevertheless was was not going to be averse to spreading the rumour that um, the Pope had excommunicated. Harold, and um, we'll come on to it, no doubt. But uh, but when you come to think about what was Harold's mental state when he went down to Hastings, I think that may be one of the um, uh, one of the factors in working out why Harold uh, got it so horribly wrong. I was pulling on him on, on the day? The, the, what the Pope
0: might have said would be uh, messing with his
1: well, with, I, with his head a bit. I I I I wonder whether William. Whether Harold did indeed begin to doubt his his um, his true right in in um, in religion um, and and the law, um, I wonder whether he he actually in the end saw it as well. This will have to be a, a trial by combat, um, a religious yes. trial by combat, and. I can't duck this, this will have to be personal, okay. with me there um, in the front rank, uh, face to face. We're, we're jumping ahead a bit, but yes. um, there was a much better um, uh, option which one of his brothers urged on him, but, um, but Harold said, said, no, I'm going down there myself.
0: Just before we get into the battle, which we're going to do in a moment, so to clarify, the, because the, the Anglo-Saxons, when they crowned a king, it was really the people, the, the Witten doing the crowning, whereas in the Norman way of crowning a king, the ultimate sort of seal of approval was the bit in the church. So there was a point of difference there, wasn't it? We were a more, it was more like our parliamentary system today a little bit, and whereas they wanted the blessing of God Almighty.
1: Yes. And and the Norman position was that, that um, and this is important after the um, after the battle when, when when Harold was dead and was there a, was there an automatic successor uh, uh, to Harold the 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 Norman position was um, a very straightforward case that um, God made a king uh, and God made the king at the coronation the, um, as you say, the English position was that um, the English made the king in, in, the, in the form of the Witan, And this was uh, formally recognized by God, as it were, in the coronation. And it, it, it is a subtle difference. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it accounts for why um, William got rather anxious after Hastings when he was wondering had Edward Atheling, who was the only only person who um, could could have a a stronger claim than him uh, to the throne, although he was a minor, 14, possibly even younger, (coughs) had he actually been um, crowned um, canonically, uh, would would the coronation be recognized by, uh, by, by Rome?
0: Right, let us now start on the battle. But as you said already, the Battle of Hastings uh, had a couple of important moments to happen before that um, because I believe that th- there was a problem with the wind blowing in different directions, which meant that the various people encroaching on England, we've talked about obviously William and Harold Hardrada and the disgruntled brother of Harold, Tostig, mm. um, Quite a lot of this was sort of due to the weather, to start with.
1: Yes, well, Harold certainly knew, um, or suspected, that William would mount um, a forceful challenge, that he would try and get across uh, the Channel. Um, And for most of the summer and into the autumn, he had a, a strong watch on on the south coast and he mustered the select feared um, and they it would appear that they concentrated on the the Isle of Wight um, so that they could um, move quickly along the coast in you know, he had a, a a good little navy um, and they could deal with with the landing when it when it came, but but nevertheless uh, he had a watch along the whole of the, uh, uh, the the south coast, but oddly enough the the winds, which should have been generally southwesterly i e from from the southwest um, at the time, which would have helped William across the channel were were by and large throughout the summer, if if there was any wind coming from the north, which of course kept William um, in Normandy. They simply couldn't get, a, couldn't get across the channel. Um, and, and so when it, when it got to the early September, and no sign of William, Harold quite reasonably started to think, well, perhaps he's not coming. And I, I speculate in the book as to how much intelligence um, they could have had about William's um, activities, because you know if the if the wind is is blowing unfavourably for William, it's also blowing unfavourably for you know Harold's spies in Normandy getting back with the, with the messages. Um, so he, Harold doesn't really know. Um, so we get to. We get to the beginning of September, when the, the f- select feareds, um terms of service, period of service, is set to run out. It was supposed to, it was extended slightly, it was thought.
0: This two months of you know,
1: active duty. Two months active duty.
2: Right.
1: Um, and they were told that um, they will be stood down by the feast of the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin on the 8th of September. They had to get back. Home to, um, you know, help gather in the rest of the harvest and the autumn tillage and, and whatever. So there was an imperative to, to, to stand down the feared. Uh, and it certainly looked in early September as, as if William wasn't coming. And, um, you know, the weather in, in late September and October traditionally turned really bad in the Channel, so that would have been it. So he stands down the, uh, the select feared in, in early September. Um, and then the news comes of uh, strong Viking raids on the coast of um, Yorkshire. Um, Scarborough was all but destroyed by Harold Hardrada, king of Norway. Harold's um, the
0: hard man, is that?
1: Is Harold, a hard ruler. Hard ruler. Hard ruler, yeah. Um, with Tostig, um, Harold's uh, younger brother, who had been deposed as Earl of Northumbria um, a few years earlier, and um, there was a, a distinct falling out, a distinct family falling out, to the extent that Tostig had been. Um, Raiding along the coast of um, England um, uh, th- throughout the summer and being a, a, a bloody nuisance and t- until he was um, worsted in um, in East Anglia by um, uh, Guth, one of um, one of Harold's other brothers. Uh, but Tostig uh, marries up with um, Hardrada, uh, brings some some Scots um, to uh, to help, and they start raiding the. Um, Raiding the Yorkshire coast, they enter the Humber, and they sail up the Humber uh, and then one of the tributary uh, rivers to towards York, and they they move on York. In the middle of September, the Earls of Mercia and Northumbria call out their um, housecarls and. and that their select feared, and they go to um, intercept Hardrada, and they are soundly beaten um, at the Battle of Gate Fulford on the 20th of September. Harold has got wind of the Vikings coming into the Humber, and he, he knows what this means. Uh, I, I have to ask a question of this, because mm. I'm sure
0: Jamie also had this feeling, is, that there were times when we were taught this story at school that there was some sort of an alliance between the Normans and the Danes. I mean, I find it hard to, to believe because they both wanted the same prize. But it does seem odd that they were, you know, poor old Harold was having to march up and down the country. Was there any kind of thought that might be a, a, a deal
1: going on here between them? Well, I, I only found the idea that, that there might have been but there is absolutely no evidence um, uh, whatsoever. Um, and and it would have been, um, well, uh, the, the footwork and communications between Normandy and, and Norway um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. uh, in, in that year would, would have been quite extraordinary. And there's no evidence that there was any uh, previous d- discussion. Um, uh, it is, of course, said that when um, when William landed in, um, in Sussex, he, he didn't know which Harold he was going to be fighting. Oh good, all um, oh, right. But that's, um, that's about it. But he was certainly going to have to fight Hardrada if, uh, if Hardrada had prevailed over, over, over Harold in the north. But meanwhile, Harold having heard that the Vikings had entered the Humber, uh, knew this was serious, he, he calls out He calls out the third again. Um, He assembles his housecarls, and they set off up the old Roman road to York, distance of some two hundred miles—a force march. It's sometimes said he covered it in four days. I think that that's um, um, an exaggeration. Um, Fifty miles a day. E- even with good horses, you would have knackered the horses and knackered, uh, knackered the men. He probably did it in six or six or seven. But yeah. nevertheless, they didn't. Um, they didn't hang around. Uh, they got to. Were they meeting coming down towards them
0: any of uh, the Morcar or uh, I suspect, uh, Edwin's I men? suspect. They have, th- I suspect
1: there would. I suspect there were stragglers mm. um, from um, from Edwin of Mercia's men. Um, uh, who were defeated at uh, Gaveston? So, soundly, soundly uh, beaten. A huge yeah. casualties, um, apparently, and no one quite knows where Edwin and Morcar then disappeared to um, uh, uh, at that time. But um, the East Anglian um, feared under uh, girth. Um They they were called out, and, and there, there were men joining all the way. Uh, I think up that um, uh, up, up that force march. Uh, They get to Tadcaster on the 24th of September, and there they learn that the the Vikings have done a strange thing. Having having defeated this Anglo-Saxon army at Gate Fulford, they haven't gone into York, which you would have expected them to do. For some reason, um, they they have... parleyed with the inhabitants of York who've agreed to send money and hostages. Um, and they pause and go back to their uh, boats at a place called Rickall, uh, south and east of, uh, of York. Um, and there they, for some reason, again, um, not, not known, they divest themselves of their heavy kit um, and um, and then go upstream to Stamford Bridge, where they make camp to wait for the um, the hostages and and the golden and silver tribute uh, to arrive from York. So they're 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 on light scales, as it were. Do you think um, they're thinking the, there's no sign, nowhere Harold's no, going to appear? No, no threat. I mean, yeah. what a, what an extraordinary thing it would be. that, Harold who's down and done the south should should appear also it suggested it was extremely hot at that time and that you know they took the opportunity to to offload who who knows but but what is certain is that Harold um, brilliantly um, decides to go straight at them uh, at, at Stamford bridge he he had an option really of either going for the boats which would have been the easier win um, Closer, um, but um, what would what would that have done? Um, well, he would have had a fight on his hands there, and then he would have had to fight uh, the the um, alerted Vikings at Stamford Bridge. So he goes for the harder um, job of, of tackling the Vikings head on at Stamford Bridge. He takes them completely by surprise uh, towards. The end of um, the next morning, twenty fifth, twenty fifth September, um, and utterly defeats them. Kill, I mean he's kills um- Hardrada. Right. Kills Tostig. Right. Yes. Um, there's only Hardrada's son left, who they who they spare almost as the um, uh, you, you, trophy, uh, 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 as a trophy, and and as a messenger to go back to. Yeah. Um, to go back to Scandinavia and um, don't come again, or you'll see what yes. what, what bull, um And Harold's numbers were you. quite.
0: Um, he had quite a good superiority of numbers, probably against Hardrada and Tostic. Well,
1: also. certainly at, um, at certainly at Stamford Bridge, yes. Um, and um, they were, well, <laughs> I say fresh. They just had a forced march up the. Up the, the Great North Road, but um, they, they they had not been um, fighting up to up to that stage. So they were they were fresh and ready for ready for a fight, and um, they 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 spared no blood. And um, you know the the rivers were proverbially um, turned red.
2: So that
0: is. Uh, encounter number two, uh, the second one with the, uh, the Norsemen, uh, with Hardrada and Tostig, um, the turncoat. And all of this is now leading towards the Battle of Hastings in mid-October. So we're at the end of September. Harold is in the north. Um, he's victorious. Uh, no doubt the people in York are thrilled. And then what happens?
1: Well, while this has been going on at Stamford Bridge, the wind has changed, and um, William now finds he's got a favorable wind, and he can just get across the uh, the channel, and he loses no time. Um, he lands on the 28th of September, uh, which is just three days after Stamford Bridge. And um, there's no one to, uh, to challenge his his landing, there's um, there's a little bit of a scrap in in one of the, the ports where some of the uh, the Normans who have blown off course um, land in um, uh, well, two two or three boats and are very quickly <laughs> dispatched by the um, the angry local militia. Uh, but but he manages to get ashore in strength and starts to um, fortify um, an old Um, um, British encampment um, near Hastings. Now, the message that um, William has landed appears to have got up to Yorkshire uh, with lightning speed Uh, as soon as Harold gets the message.
0: Do you think that would have been... That they might have had a system, you know, lighted bonfires oh, on hilltops or something. Uh, oh,
1: well, I, I think I think it was relays. Oh, it was really, uh, I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think there was any signalling um, uh, system at all. Um, I, I think there would have been relays. There would have had to have been a, a, a rudimentary postal service anyway to to take out, take around royal royal decrees and, um, and, and, and to summon the third. So the message goes up the, uh, the Great North Road. It, um, it arrives in York um, where Harold is, you know, recovering from, from the battle, trying to settle things, um, you know, where are Edwin and Morcar? What the hell were you doing? Um, they did fight with them
0: though at Stamford Bridge, didn't they? They took part in that fight?
1: I, I don't think Edwin uh, oh, they... uh, and Morcar actually did. Right. Some of their men may have done, but but the, their movements are rather vague. And um, the only thing that's known about Edward and Morcar, um, for certain after um, Gate Fulford, is that they were in London um, after Hastings, and um, decided at one stage that. Um, There was no point in in staying put in London. The the game was over. Uh, Let's get back up to our our earldoms and try to work out what to do next. So um, Harold having spent some time trying to sort things out in in the north, including, I think, probably having a a sharp word with the inhabitants of York as to what the hell they were doing, opening the gates and um, uh, sending tribute and um, not putting up a, a defense of the city with its very strong walls, after all, he hears about this and, and sets off um, down the, um, the Great North Road with his um, housecarls. Those who are, um, I mean, how many did he lose at Stamford Bridge? We we, we don't know. Uh, we, we if he if he if he lost half, he would still have a thousand um, highly highly capable. Um, fighters, um, and there were the um, there were the housecarls of, of, of the other earls that he he could call on, and the and the select feared that um, could again be called out because in emergency that's that's what they did. So he 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 gets to London, and um, th- there is clearly a council of war at some stage because his his brother Garth says, um, look, why don't you now summon the great fear? To, you, you know, send messages out all over England to, to concentrate. Um. So you could have 10, 20, 30,000? Absolutely. It was, it was almost limitless. Would they have been any good? Well, who knows? They, they, would, have had, um, they would have had farm implements. And, of course, numbers count in medieval battles. You know, three angry farmers with um, bill hooks might well be able to deal with a with a rather exhausted um, professional. Who knows? But numbers did count. And Garth said, "Look, Harold, leave this to me. I will go down and fix William in place. Um, You summon the Great third, and when when you've got them, that's the time to move against it." But Harold. Would appear to have said no. This is a personal fight. In effect, I am going down to to Hastings. You come with me, and um, we'll confront them there. Harold leaves London. I just want, yep. so
0: is that a moment in, in your book, The Shape of Battle? Is that a shape of battle moment?
1: It is. It, it is absolutely a shape of battle at, uh, moment, and it, it's the. It, it is the he has he, he he has two options. One is to um, do what Gerth suggests, um, uh, or, or the other is to do what he decides to do. Um, he chooses what turns out to be the um, the the less um, the less good option, as we see from the from the outcome. But that is that is the campaign decision point, um, and. Um, why does why does he take it? Well, he's been successful in the north. His, um, you know, his. He uh, must be feeling confident. He must be feeling confident. Um, if only we knew how many um, how many of his house cars he'd brought back with them, um, it, it, it would help. But but London was quite a. Um, London had its own, uh, you know, militias. Their their trained bands, uh, forerunners of. Um, he he was he was not in a, a weak position, but it could have been so much stronger if he, if he'd been prepared to take his time. But he'd acted with great swiftness in going up to um, uh, to York, and um, you know perhaps his um, perhaps his motto was "celer at audax." You know, striking <laughs> like, like now. the green jackets of today, uh, yeah. fast and and, and bold. Yeah. And um, and and also, of course, he was getting reports. That, that William was ravaging um, Sussex, mm. which was part of Harold's own uh, yes. earldom, and quite
0: um, possibly William's, you know, a, a tactical decision
1: to wind up Harold. Oh, a- a- absolutely! This is this is um, you know this is this is a challenge to uh, um, to, to his manhood, his his authority in, in in his earldom. So he has called out the, the third. Um, and he's told them to RV at what's referred to as the, the Hoare apple tree on Coldbeck Hill, north of, north of Hastings. It's fascinating that this tree is so specifically mentioned in, in a number of documents. It was, it was clearly a well-known um, way, RV point.
0: Way marker and, uh, Yes, yeah.
1: and, and, and uh, of, obviously they had thought through in the, in the summer watch. What they would do if if the uh, if the Normans did land, yeah. um, and it would appear that it was a very effective envie because um, you know Harold's army did muster there, uh, and um, th- they did so by the the thirteenth of October, uh, although there were men coming in apparently even after dark on 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 the thirteenth, the day the day before the battle.
0: Right. Now, do you think at this point it would be uh, good to just give us a description of the battlefield? Or is there a bit more to say about the night before the battle?
1: I don't think there's a lot to say about the night before the battle, except that generally the the commentators say that the the Normans spent their night in uh, prayer and making their confession. And... um, uh, mass was said, whereas the uh, the Anglo-Saxons spent the night um, uh, Drinking carousing and um, storytelling which plays rather nicely to the sort of national
2: <laughs> image
1: <laughs> image, but whether it was true or not um, I, I, I don't know because of course the, um, the, the, the English were uh, um, a Catholic uh, uh, and a very Catholic um, nation Mary's dowry um, the Blessed Virgin Mary's Diary, England, um, uh, was called. So I wouldn't put too much into it, but um, who could blame the Anglo Saxons if they had some um, uh, some mead with them uh, for fortifying themselves after a long march? But but certainly both sides stayed put during the night. There was no um, there was no patrolling as far as we could work out. Um, and who was going to move first, against whom? Um, it's odd to me that um, Harold didn't uh, decide to take the fight um, to, to the Normans. He could, he could have moved during the night. There was just less than half a moon, which would have favoured um, an approach march.
0: Although William's men were under arms, weren't they? Williams' men would have Where they were prepared
1: would have would have been standing too yeah. yes um, and and probably would have got notice of the, of their their approach um, but it would have been it would have been consistent with with Harold's recent experience for him to want to attack
0: mm.
1: however um, you know the practice was of the. Um, the housecarls and the, and the select fardsmen to form the shield wall and, and that's what the opportunity they now had where exactly they formed that shield wall the next day um is in some doubt was it called hill where they mustered or was it ground slightly lower down where uh, battle abbey is now is now built it, it it seems very odd to me that they abandoned Coldbeck Hill, which really would have been a tough climb for the um, um, uh, uh, for the Normans, uh, but it may just have been that the lower ground presented a, a, a space that was rather more favourable, um, broader. Uh, well, well, certainly one where where the flanks weren't so open as Coldbeck Hill. Uh, so, right. so maybe um, it it was it was some seven hundred. Yards by two hundred yards um, deep, um, which which more or less fitted apparently the, the troops that, um, that 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 Harold could muster, and he was going to stand on that hill, dare the um, um, dare the Normans to come on, which they would have to. Um, you know, they they couldn't they couldn't stay where they were all all the time. They you know the initiative. In many ways, rested with with Harold still, and he was confident, clearly, that his his shield wall would um, would hold. What I don't think he had taken sufficient account of were uh, were the archers.
0: Yeah. Yes, and I mean, obviously, centuries later, this is something that we became extremely good at. I mean, this we're not talking about the longbow here, are we? We're just talking about a normal type of bow. Uh, less powerful than the longbow, but even so, yeah. a sort of, you know, it's an artillery
1: element, isn't it? Uh, well, it allows it. It, it, it allows an attacker or, or a defender, for that matter, if if, if chosen to um, to stand off out of range of somebody who doesn't have a bow, and, and to plague him. Uh, the, the, the range of these. Um, uh, of these um, shorter bows was eighty a hundred yards, and they were, they were, well, it would appear that they were fired both, in indirectly is the wrong word because technically indirect means you can't see the target, but um, they, they were, they, they 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 were fired almost parallel to the ground as if firing at butts rather than. Um, in in volleys as they famously did at uh, at Agincourt. but um but but after hastings no one um no one underestimated the bow that was um, that was for sure and i think that the the effect of the uh, the plaguing effect of the um uh, of the archers um, would have been um uh, discouraging um, at first to the, to the, um, uh, to the Anglo-Saxon line. Um, whether, whether it accounted for a lot of men, mm-hmm. um, who, who knows, but certainly towards the end of the day, when, when, the, when the archers felt they could close in with impunity without risking a sudden foray from the, from the shield mm-hmm. um, wall, catching them unaware, I think they were firing from very, very short range, arrow after arrow into this um, huddling mass, which was, um, which was, um, you know, getting getting a shorter frontage as the as the flanks um, closed in on, on the centre to, to fill the gaps. And in the
0: bear Tapestry there's quite a lot of depiction of arrows and resupply and things. I mean, clearly, it, it's sort of like, don't forget to put the arrows in the tapestry when they were briefed on what was going to go in this tapestry. It was an important element. Yes. Even and, though archers uh, are often seen as a sort of slightly lower orders when it comes to military men.
1: Yes, and um, th- there are pictures of wagons um, carrying uh, resupplies of arrows coming coming onto the field, um, which, which you would... Uh, which you would expect. But, you know, the, the, the fight is, um, the fights depicted on, on the tapestry and, and in various fanciful paintings afterwards is um, with, with, the mounted, with the mounted men um, being the, the, you know, the predominating um, factor on, on, on William's side. Undoubtedly, they, uh, they were, they did their damage um, especially towards the end, but but, but I suspect it was um, the archers who did did the worst of the damage, um, and it was only when the shield wall started to to lose its cohesion. Famously, when um, the right flank of the shield yes, wall... yes, actually, before yeah. we
0: just do that, could we just describe the layout? So we we're, so we've got them Harold's shield wall uh, fa- facing sort of south yeah. towards the Normans. And so and he's dismounted, all his officers, his earls, they're all dismounted, they're going to fight, and it's him in the middle with um, sort of different county or area groups on either side.:
1: yes, um, a frontage of a say around seven hundred yards with the, with the solid block of um, of housecarls. Um, Harold's own housecarls and those of his his brothers, um, in in the centre, as as you'd expect, um, and and those housecarls would have been quite jealous of their, you know, you can imagine them saying to the select thirdsman, you know, yeah, this get, is my you know, spot. you're you're a bloody reservist. You know, yeah, just, to we're, the back. we're the we're the, you know, just but. Um, it's thought that the men of Kent would have been on the right of the line.
0: Which, uh, just to keep it easy for our audio,
1: is, is the west. The, uh, west, the, west of, the west of the line. Yeah, yes. west of the, the line. The right of the line as, uh, as you're facing the, uh, the Normans. Um, they, they traditionally occupied the right of the line, apparently. It is also thought that the settled Danes, who'd um, come in from East Anglia and, and, and down from York, held the the left flank, but, but again, there's, there's no hard documentary evidence, but, but common sense would dictate that you, um, you had the real strength, and solid strength in the centre, that you had some good men uh, uh, on the flanks, uh, and um, everybody else, you, you sort of put in the ranks behind uh, who could come forward and fill the gaps uh, uh, as and when. And you know, on the face of it, it wouldn't have been a it wouldn't it wouldn't have been a bad um, a, a bad layout it, it, if only, as I say, if if only they could have kept their cohesion, um, and and fought with the... got the um, the Normans to close with them and have a hand to hand fight with 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 the battle axe and. Uh, and and the sword but um, and that and then the layout of the Normans facing
0: up the hill from sort of west to oh, you know they're in groups as well
1: are they um, yes the Bretons are um, on on the left uh, which the, is the, the west the west yep. the Normans are in the middle and the franco-flemish again Breton's franco-flemish are essentially mercenaries are, are, are on the right um, uh, William, I think, too, has spread out some of his knights um, along the line, so that he's got trusted Normans in in the, the flank camps, as it uh, as it were, um, and he um, he arranges them in, in in three lines, with the archers in front, then the then the foot soldiers, the pedite, um as as they were called, and then the um, the, the mounted men. Um, Behind it perhaps seems odd doing it that way but 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 who knows that's some um, that's that's how they were arraigned, and so he 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 was able to fight a sort of sequential sequential battle you know he would try with the archers, he would then send the send the foot soldiers in to see what they could do th- then send the knights mm. and and he, what William managed to do, and presumably he thought it out this way is that he could he could keep up a sort of momentum of attack, mm. varying it between foot soldiers, yes. mounted men, a, and archers. And, and so they port, couldn't just the, get used to
0: one thing. Yeah, they, they and, had the, to, and the and the, and
1: the and the poor old English on, on, on the hilltop uh, mm. are standing there um, throughout and, mm. and get no respite, whereas the three elements mm. of the uh, of, of the Norman line, um, you know, got their rest in turn. And the, there's one small
0: point that uh, I find odd is that there were no stakes, that Harold, or maybe that wasn't something they did in their form of fighting. I uh, mean, to keep that, off the cavalry.
1: No, you're you you're absolutely right. It, it 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 is very odd that they didn't um, sharpen stakes and and um, put them in the ground. The you, you know, chever de freeze. I mean, whatever. the Romans were doing it a thousand years uh, before. Uh, uh, absolutely, and. Harold had seen uh, what William had when he was with him in Normandy. Mm. Um, he would have known there were mountain men because you know, his, his scouts would have, would have reported all this. Mm. So again, what, why, why, did they, why did they not do it?
0: Anyways, the battle commences with the archers. They have their go at whittling away, and then William sends in his
1: infantry, his pedites. Yes, um, they don't make much of an impression. Uh, it, it, it would seem. Uh, those who do close up are uh, uh, um, well. They face the, the sharp edge of the uh, uh, of the battle axe. Um, well, was the battle axe um,
0: that much worse than a sword, or a spe- I mean, what was special about it?
1: The momentum. Um, of of the swing uh, of the battle axe was um, you know enough to decapitate, um, and you know it was something that um, if it struck a horse, that was the end of the horse too. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it 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 was also difficult to deal with if you if you've got a sword, um, you know you yeah, can't just, intercept yes. you can't intercept the blow. Um, if if the man wielding it misjudges a swing, of course, he's then um um he's then open to uh, to, to a riposte. But um mm. I don't think the house girls miss their miss their swing very often.
0: Strange as well, because of course that would have come from Norsemen originally, yes, I guess. Absolutely. And the Normans were Norsemen, but In, they'd given indeed. up on their own.
1: The, the, yes, the, the Normans. The Normans, of course, have become rather civilized. Um,
0: yeah,
1: okay. <laughs> Norman.
0: So, so, so the infantry move forward. Um, the Norman infantry. They have a go. It's not that successful. Um, but um, and in fact, possibly even gives the Anglo-Saxons, uh, Harold's men, a break from from being shot at with arrows. Yes. Pestered. They get yes. a chance to fight. In yeah. fact, they get a little bit overexcited. Do they? They get a bit. Um, they push away and. And then there's a moment where the where the
1: Norman line breaks. Whether um, whether it was um, a, a feigned retreat um, to um, to encourage the, the English line to um, chase down the hill or, or not is is a you know endless subject for for debate. But but at some stage. the the right of Harold's line uh, left the high ground, effectively broke the shield wall, to chase downhill um, the retreating Normans. Now, retreating Normans on foot, retreating Normans on on horseback, probably a combination of of, of both. Um, And what happens is that um, the Normans rally, turn on them, uh, and do quite a bit of slaughter. It's also connected with an idea that a rumour ran round the, um, the, the Norman ranks that uh, William himself had been killed, but that he, uh, on hearing that rumour himself, threw up his visor, rode along the line saying, look, I'm here, I'm perfectly all right, yeah. get back into the fight. Yes. Incidentally, Harold, on the other hand, by by all accounts, uh, f- fought a very static battle. He he stood in the middle, um, and, and held his ground, just he, like one
0: other soldier.
1: One other it? soldier. Yeah. Um, there was no no report of him being on horseback, riding the mm. line to steady, to encourage, mm. to to reinforce. Most odd.
0: Yes. And I suppose given that the Normans had, um, they had sort of combined arms, they had three different elements to their army, that when the Bretons came down the hill, and it is hard to imagine that that was a, that was a, you know, like the Spartans supposedly were able to run away and then suddenly they would turn around and slaughter. It's an incredibly difficult maneuver to make, isn't it? To withdraw, not to panic, and then to stand your ground. Yes. you know, when people start running, that's when the slaughter starts happening.
1: It, it, it is and running is um it's infectious um, but um but clearly there was um clearly there was a rally and and it, as as i say it seems to be much seems to me to be more likely to have been a um, um, a genuine rally rather than a a, a feigned um, a, a feigned one although of course these um you know these young men who had been training in their mounted um, jousting and everything else in, um, in in Normandy in these in these various mm. groups called Conroys uh, would would quite possibly have practiced these feigned withdrawals on mm. whatever, but but as an act of war, as you suggest, it's it's not real. Ri- <laughs> it's no. it's it, it's not really a, um I, I think a no. serious one and
0: also it was the bretonts it wasn't even the norman it was the breton infantry which s- supposedly would not be quite as reliable as the norman yes. infantry yes. so you wouldn't try a trick like that with your anyone other than your very best
1: no 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 you wouldn't no you wouldn't but but clearly in this in this very long battle and and goodness it's a long battle it it, it, it probably 8 hours maybe even more, and there are some suggestions that it was the longest battle, you know, up to that point in in recorded history. Um, Because that shield wall, uh, although it got shorter and shorter and and less and less depth, it it held on until the sheer weight of... um, well, William's numbers and and, and attrition started to um, started to disrupt the cohesion uh, of the wall, and and then at some stage you get the death of Harold himself. Yeah, famously with the arrow in the eye, but but that again is is, is conjecture, and um, there's even some doubt about the um, uh, about the reliability of the. Of the Bayer Tapestry showing apparently Harold. Um, Somebody had inked it in later, had they? With the, well, it, it, it is almost that because it was thought to have been, you know, there's been some, um, some work done on the um, on The, the archaeology, as it were, of the Bayer Tapestry, mm. seem, suggesting that actually the 19th century is just restoration work. The arrow got shifted slightly. Who who knows? Mm-hmm. And and the precise wording of Harold Harold interfectus, uh, you know, Harold falls. You know, does this apply to the man with the arrow or the man, um, uh, or, or or the man to his right? So I, I, who who knows? But it could have been a combination of things. But yeah, um, and
0: it is. Uh, you know, if you asked anyone in the street, the only two things they might know about the battle is the date. And the fact that Harold had an arrow in his eye. (laughs) Yes.
2: From Alan Mallinson's book, Shape of Battle, Hastings, the Battle for England. Harold's brothers are thought to have died quite early in the fighting, in which case their housecarls may have quit the field. Certainly they would have suffered a severe blow to their pride and hence morale. The English line grew weaker, says Poitiers, as William's men shot arrows, smote and pierced. At this stage in the battle, with the English line well and truly on the defensive, housecarls and firdsmen alike, literally fighting for their lives, the archers would have had a field day. The lower margin of the bio at this point is filled with them. Resupplied with arrows, they were probably shooting almost point-blank into a huddling crush. The dead, by falling, seemed to move more than the living, says Poitiers. It was not possible for the lightly wounded to escape, for they were crushed to death by the serried ranks of their companions. And at some point, close to the end of the day, in the words of the bio-tapestry, Harold Rex Interfectus Est, King Harold is slain. With dusk approaching and the king dead, house Carls and firdsmen alike exhausted, and with no hope of respite or relief, the shield wall finally broke. Some lay helplessly in their own blood, others who struggled up were too weak to escape wrote Alderic Vitalis. The passionate wish to escape death gave strength to some. Many left their corpses in deep woods. Many who had collapsed on the roots blocked the way of those who came after. There was a last stand along an ancient ditch, which the chroniclers dubbed the Malfoss, on the reverse slope of Coldbeck Hill, where, in the gloom and undergrowth, the pursuing Normans fell one on top of the other in a struggling mass of horses and arms. But, continued Orderic, the battle had been well and truly lost. The mangled bodies that had been the flower of the English nobility and youth covered the ground as far as the eye could see.
1: Well, I, I suspect that um, Harold's body, um, at the end of the day, well, it is, it is, it is reputed to have, been, to, to have been found with, with so many... Um, Blows, um, cuts, uh, wounds as to been unrecognizable except for his common law wife, although I think that that's a myth, although a rather charming one. Uh, but but Harold and his um, his brothers die and th- and then it's a question of so keep her. Um,
0: so, there, so there's a route basically there. It,
1: there is a route and and some did, some did manage to get away. Quite a few got away, particularly the London. Um, ones. The, the the sheriff of London got away with with, with, with some of some of his men, um, uh, as darkness fell, um, I think they they were able to slip away. But um, um, and some made a last stand uh, around a, a ditch at the base of of, of Coldbeck Hill. But it was um, um, it was nasty, and at the end of the day, that was it. It was a decisive battle, but as I say in the book, um, neither side um, quite recognised how decisive um, it was because... Um, William had a lot of work to do after. Did he? Did he? It was the middle of December before um, the, um, the Witten conceded.
0: In your book, you quote Sir Charles Oman. Oman? Um, yes. Uh, talking about Hastings, saying that it's the last great example of an endeavour to use the old infantry tactics of the Teutonic races against the now fully developed cavalry of feudalism.
1: It's a good quote, that. Um, and um, there, after that, there, there, there wasn't a, a one-sided um, infantry battle.
0: But but William, I mean, we're getting away slightly from yes. the conclusion. But it's I think it's it's interesting. William definitely recognised the great fighting qualities of the English
1: um, oh, and incorporated oh, them. Did he? Yeah. He he did not turn the um, he did not turn England into a in, into a, a great cavalry force. He um, he used the um, the third um, in some of his. Um, uh, Foreign campaigns. No, he was. Um, I, I. He could only have been impressed by the the, the, the resoluteness of that um, shield wall for so long, and realised that uh, it was the correct combination of of horsemen, um, archers, and um, and infantry that um, that would win a battle. Because Harold's shield wall. I mean, given what he'd done before. You know, he
0: they could bang away at it. Maybe the Normans would have banged away until they had nothing left. But it didn't seem like Harold had anything behind it that he was going to. Then you know, what was he going to do except stand there? He didn't have any kind of reserve force or anything. Seemingly, no. I
1: I think I think what he what he expected was that they the the um, the Normans would blunt themselves on the shield wall. Um, and then at the appropriate moment, like Stanford bridge down the hill and um, down the hill and and finish them off mm. and, and you know that may be one of the reasons why he didn't order um, st- stakes to be put in the ground because he he wanted the Normans to come onto the shield wall. Mm. the stakes would have would have simply held them off and how would that have yes. helped helped him this was. You know, did it go back to this idea of it being a, a one-to-one, uh, one-to-one battle in the end, Harold versus William, a yes. trial by, by Ordeal and their stout men around them?
0: Yes. Um, on page 359 of your book, you say that Hastings is the first battle in England that we rarely know anything about, and because the events of 1066 were so dramatic, and Anglo Saxon military organization was so impressive. So, this England existed already, but this moment after 1066 this is the sort of this is where the island becomes, or England becomes, a whole under the Norman rule. We've had this, uh, you know, we've had King Alfred doing the, doing the grand work, but there's no stepping back from it
1: after I, this. I think that's right. Um, there was um, a certain amount of Anglo-Saxon resistance, and it, it could have been, it could actually have been a, a counterinsurgency that, that overwhelmed the Normans in mm. the end, if only the... If only the residual earls and whatever could have got their act together. Mm. And there were some, there were some very, very defiant stands against the Normans: Exeter uh, and then, and, and, um, you know, towns in Devon, and Hereford the Wake, mm. uh, and, and famously Hereford <coughs> the Wake, um, carrying the, the fight into the um, into the Fens, um, and of course. It's why you get the so-called harrowing of the north when the the northern, the northern earls refuse to submit. Um, to This to is Morcar,
0: is it, or, or his
1: the, predecessors? Morcar and, and and and, um, and successors yeah. uh, and and adjuncts yeah. um, uh, hold out, and, and William says, okay, no more Mr. Nice Guy, and, and just lays waste. To um, to large parts of the, uh, of the north, and that would be what today would be Yorkshire and Lancashire, or further north. Uh, uh, oh, right up into Northumberland, um, Northumberland, north up, mm. up to the Scotch, up to the Scottish is border. Just burning
0: of villages, killing of people,
1: slaughtering, take, a, slaughtering of stock, uh, taking away all the grain. I mean, the, the famine must have been, mm. and the death from famine must have been um, massive. That. Um, uh, that 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 determination, and um, and of course you get the building of the castles as part of the consolidation of um, of, of, of Norman rule. Mm. Um, but it was um, yes, there was no there was no really serious um, Danish uh, or Norwegian Viking threat after that. Yes, there were there there were a couple of landings. Uh, you know, in the in the years that, that followed, but they they were they were minor affairs dealt with um, uh, pretty quickly. No, this was this was now um, England with a Norman accent.
0: Yes, and what Doomsday Book, <coughs> 1086. Yeah. Um, I mean, he didn't have long to live, did he, William, after he commissioned the Doomsday Book?
1: Um, no, when he reigned
0: he? for what twenty something years. Yeah, 86, but
1: but yeah. the thing about do the, the thing about Doomsday that that it was it took it took just seven months to compile. Now that shows an extraordinary degree of uh, of the old angler. I mean that mm. couldn't have been. Mm. He didn't have enough Norman Norman scribes to go around with a a notebook. This was using the old Anglo-Saxon system to to, to, to produce the the information. I mean, quite remarkable. And and it's in doomsdays, as I say, that you get a a picture of of, of pre-conquest England, um, except um, the many entries which simply say um, you know destroyed as a result of the, the harrowing and um, uh, uh, and elsewhere and and
0: um, in a way I mean that that book as iconic um, document is another sort of element to England's sort of as, as an entirety as an, as an entity, and also I mean it's slightly getting on beyond uh, William, but um, Henry I was. A pretty decent king, well organised, and you know, again, he consolidated on what William the Conqueror
1: had done yes, to so nail it down. Um, uh, what you do get, of course, post-conquest, is um, is um, a, a, a much more highly organised church, uh, the, the 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 Norman ecclesiastical system um, of. Um, Geographical bishoprics, geographical parishes, with, with a strict hierarchy, and organisation was was something um, imposed on the old um, the old English church, which was yeah. which was a much looser organisation yes. and, and not territorially pegged. No, yes. So the administration and the development, um, but be- oh, the
0: feudalism the, and, and yeah, and became
1: all. a clerical be- yeah. became a job for the. Um, um, uh, for, for the clergy, in a way that it wasn't mm. in, um, in, in Anglo-Saxon England in quite the same way.
0: You mention in your book Sun Tzu, who may or may not have existed, yes. as, you, as you also mention, um, but I do like this, uh, this, this saying that strategy without tactics is the slowest route to a victory, but tactics without strategy is the noise before defeat. Yes. And for Harold, you talk about the long view uh, in French. Um, that that was ultimately his downfall. That he didn't have that long view. Yes, yes,
1: he didn't have the um, that critical that, that critical decision about. You know, I will I will accept the um, the taunting and the destruction down in done in Sussex. That's the price I again have to pay. Uh, to gather my strength uh, uh, and deal conclusively, he um, he he just, in the end, I suppose, saw it as a tactical problem. yes,
0: so yes, I mean, the feeling you get with William is that once he's won this battle and sorted out getting into London, he's got a plan. he's got a plan for the whole thing. He's going to, oh yeah, take over the country and it's going to be his big thing.
1: yes, and he very' uh, very interesting. Examining the, the movements of William after after Hastings, he doesn't take the direct route to London, straight through the uh, straight north through the Weald, the the, the road um, along which the um, uh, the Ferdsmen would have would have withdrawn because that was heavily wooded and you know might there might have been drawn into ambush the Forest exactly, moment exactly the Teutoburg Forest. Yeah. He decides not to go west. Um, which would have been the, um, the second um, quickest way because, you know, perhaps, perhaps there's a, a gathering um, feared um, from, from Wessex still to arrive and that would be on my left flank. No, he, he, he marches along the coast to Dover and first of all takes possession of Dover Castle. Uh, and and reinforces Dover Castle. I, I think is the point of reinforcement and entry, when he starts bringing. Yes, um, then he's got a, he Then he's got a solid um, bridgehead, a, and then um, he then beachhead. he begins the march on, on on London, which is a, which is a long march because um, he tries to get across the Thames at Southwark, and he's beaten off very um, very decisively by the. Uh, um, the, the London feared, um, so he he marches west, uh, south of the Thames, trying to find crossing points. Most of them are contested, and he's not prepared to try it until he arrives at um, at Wallingford, a ford, which is quite a long way up yeah. in sort of a goring long, direction. A long it? way up, yeah. and um, that's where he eventually crosses. And um, of course he's living off the land and he's not paying for stuff that he takes and um, the story of Norman destruction coming along, it's almost a a strategy of of building the fear. Um, So that um, in the middle of December, um, Edwin and Morker have fled. Edward Atheling is is clearly not going to be um, a a viable king as a 14-year-old. No one in London really knows what to do. The Archbishop of of Canterbury, who is himself a compromised man um, in terms of of Rome, and one or two others decide that it's probably time to make peace. And that's when they they go out and, uh, and meet William in Hertfordshire and Discuss terms, which um, means really accepting what William dictates. And um, Christmas sees William in in London, crowned king. Crowned king in in Westminster Abbey, in a rather jittery service, um, with a few riots going on outside. Um, it's um, it, it it said that um, there was an unruly element outside, but. Um, the story goes that um, when inside Westminster Abbey, the, um, whoever it was, the archbishop or, or whatever, asked the congregation for um, affirmation of, of their new king, they all gave a shout of affirmation so loud that the, the Norman men-at-arms outside <laughs> Thought that this was a riot, a riot inside, whatever, and um, reacted by, um, uh, you know, setting fire to this, that, and the other. I mean, it was it was one of those moments. So, yeah. it, it it must have been a nervous time.
0: Brilliant. That's a great telling of the Battle of Hastings. Thank you very much, Alan. Thank you. We do like to do a little P.S. sometimes in our our. Um, podcast and I thought that um, It would be nice just to talk a little bit more about your book the shape of battle mm-hmm. just um, Because when I was a young soldier, I was uh, about the only book I read on military matters apart from the reason why I was the face of battle by John Keegan Yes. Um, who uh, Years later, I, m- I met which was a great thrill and uh, but it, it was a wonderful book, which i reread reread um, and He, from my understanding, it's a while since I've read it, um, he takes these three battles, Agincourt, um, the Battle of Waterloo, and the first day of the Somme, and he examines them from the point of view of why a man would stand in line and fight and not run away. I mean, there are many other things to it, but that's, you know... And and that was a sort of new idea in his time, because up until then it was, you know, reading Churchill's book on Marlborough, well, you know, the poor bloody infantry, you know, yeah. they were just being massacred in their thousands and yeah. that, there was no mention of a name. Yeah. And then, and your book, The Shape of Battle, has, has taken a sort of step back to look at strategy rather than the...
1: the well, I, I... John was um, a, a, a great friend and um, I used to go and, um, when he was bedridden, um, in his house in Wiltshire. I used to go and see him quite often and talk about this and that. And um, it was always a delight and always instructive.
0: Were you, were you writing at the time, or was this... Really oh yes, widely? yes, yeah.
1: yes. Um, um, indeed I was, and uh, with, with, his, um, with his encouragement and uh, advice. And um, since John's book, um, an awful lot of history um, it, it, it is written with this very proper concern of what it was like on the ground um, it's become almost a... Um, true it's men. become almost a default setting that, yeah. you know you 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 have to you have to put the face of battle uh, into the into the stories and I just thought that um you know, maybe the pendulum could do with a little n- nudge back and um start looking at at higher things. It's not that um I'm not interested in what it was like for um, you know, Pierce Ploughman, the Ferdsman at Hastings. Uh, but there's only so much you can write about Pierce Ploughman, the Matt the <laughs> Hastings. <laughs> yes. um, Apart from it being a tongue twister, yes, <laughs> but the the, the organization of battle—you know—that I was a professional soldier. Uh, it's the campaigning, strategy, is, um, is is stuff we studied, and um, I just thought that there was there was a place um, in in the. In, in the in the great um, shed loads of books being published, thank goodness, on military history now to um, to to look at the bigger picture, um, and 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 to bring it down in the end to the to the to the man with the shield or the, the rifle or, or or whatever, but not to lose sight of those those big decisions, um, as as we saw we and we have discussed that big decision, not to. Not to take your time, call out the the great feared, yes, uh, but to go at it. These, these well, your Hastings
0: and Agincourt, just you know, I mean. They almost have a similar shape to them, mm. and you know we've got our by then our longbowmen, the English. Mm. We've got our stakes in the ground. We've yes. got our Welsh Welshmen with their yes. short knives. Yes, They're, you know the Norms have got their cavalry. They've even got a bishop, I think probably. And there's always seems to be a fighting bishop yes. in there somewhere. Odo. Yes. and a blind king and, and all and, of that, and, yeah. and, and yet it turns out so differently yeah. uh, for both sides, and, and, and in a way. Uh, I mean, that that's a, to me is a, is a nice comparison. But your, your battles, you have six battles in your book, which um, we don't have time to go into any great detail here, but maybe just name them up.
1: Well, I couldn't resist the alliteration of Hastings to Helmand. Um, and really, if you're going to write about battles, not to, um, not to look at Afghanistan would have been, I think, remiss. Um, and so, um, the book ends with um, Operation Panther's Claw in Helmand, um, in which my own regiment, played a, the Light Dragoons, played a, a, a leading part. Um, and in between, uh, I studied the Battle of Towton, the bloodiest battle on English soil in the Wars of the Roses, fascinating battle, absolutely fascinating, which which turns on some brilliant tactical decisions by um, a couple of very, very capable seasoned soldiers which, um, which, which turn what should have been a defeat for the Yorkists into a magnificent victory. Um, I then look at um, Waterloo. Now you could say, oh my goodness, everybody's looked at Waterloo, but, but actually I look at it Waterloo as um, the culminating point of Wellington's experience of fighting in the Peninsula, so it's a slightly different take um, on Waterloo. Why? Why that battle? Why he shaped that battle in mm. the way he did? Because I think the setting up of that battlefield is is, is an interesting story um, in itself. Um, I then look at. Uh, D-Day and specifically the the battle for Sword Beach, which was the the crucial landing sector, um, was effectively the battle for Caen on on D-Day, in which again my the regiment which I had the honour to command, the 13th 18th Hussars before their amalgamation, um, played um, a, a leading role again in the Sherman tanks. Sherman yeah. tanks, especially. Equipped to swim ashore 7,000 yards, an amazing feat. Um, a, a fascinating battle, which I argue is the longest planned battle in, in, in history, because the, the, the idea of it, the embryo of, of as it were, just after Dunkirk, mm. uh, and the development of, of, of that... Um, that idea of we will be going back in mm-hmm. uh, and how that, how that really came from the mind of Churchill all the way down to um, you know, the men on the ground on D-Day. It's, 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 it's an audit trail, if you like, of the decision-making process, which is, which is what these, these six um, uh, sections are about. And uh, the penultimate one is Imjin River which has, as a battle, has always fascinated me because who could not be fascinated by the thought of a brigade of, of British infantry supported by artillery and uh, you know, a couple of squadrons of um, Centurion tanks facing probably around 20,000 Chinese Incredible infantry. Incredible numbers, yeah. In the depths of winter, in a, in a place that a lot of people couldn't put a finger to on a, on a map. Mm. Um, it was um, it was a defeat uh, for the British, uh, but it was a very very noble defeat. Although was it a defeat? It um, they had to um, they had to give ground. Um, they had to uh, they lost a lot of men, um, but it actually saved the, um, the it saved the campaign. It saved the situation. Yeah and it, um, it, it set things up for the, um, uh, the, the fight back, um, a war which is um, still being fought, albeit uh, yeah. cold at yes. the moment. Frozen conflict. Well, thank you, Alan. That was
0: brilliant and illuminating. Thank you. Uh, the Battle of Hastings ended the Anglo-Saxon rule in England under the Norman rule of William the Conqueror, the feudal organization of the country began. So it goes, you have been listening to our mini-series on battles. Details of Alan Mallinson's books, including his latest, The Shape of Battle, From Hastings to Helmond, are given in the show notes. Please pass this podcast on to a friend to help spread the word. You can contact me at talkatbloodyviolenthistory.com. Thank you and good luck.